Hi, my name is Yahav, and I was born and raised as an Israeli and as a Zionist. During the past few years, I've gone through a process of questioning the narrative I grew up with regarding this land we live in and the people living on it. This podcast is about voices of the disillusioned. Each episode is a one-on-one heartfelt conversation with an activist who supports the Palestinian struggle, telling the story of the journey that led them to see through what they were taught. Each of these people has their own unique path that I believe anyone can learn from. Whether you're a Palestinian or a Jew living here or abroad, or just anyone who feels strongly about this subject. I hope you learn as much as I learn from them about how to build a better future for all people between the river and the sea. I'm sitting here with uh, Yoni. It's not your real name, but we're going to use that alias name. Um, because what you do is kind of uh, tricky. I want to start this time from what you do and not your personal biography. Mm-hmm. Because I think that what you do is really special and I want to talk about it a little. And I'm going to give my uh, interpretation or my description and tell me how I did. Okay? Okay. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> so... Basically, you're a graffiti artist, among others, and there's this very uh, famous graffiti piece that you do all over the country, all across, in different places, on bridges, on very big highways, or on buildings, on places that people can really see it. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very simple. It's just very bold letters writing, Lama Hitgayasti question mark which means in hebrew the literal meaning is why did i enlist but if you translate it more uh you know in the the core of the meaning of it is why did i join the army why did i serve in the army yeah another way to interpret it is like uh, which i came up with much later is like uh, the verb in hebrew is like something about like uh, a recruited into some into some mission into some uh, yeah Yeah, so why did I join this uh, mission? Why did I get recruited? Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of people know this sentence or this question. They see it all over the place. And they don't know who you are. They don't know who did it. It's not yeah. signed. And it's been here and there a little bit in the media, right? Yeah, there's been a few references. A few yeah. articles about like, who's this, mm-hmm. who's this anonymous person that writes in different places in huge bold letters? Why did I yeah. join the army? Yeah. And I remember this for, for years. I mean, for years, I remember myself as a young Israeli driving around, walking around, seeing this and asking myself like, wow, this person really regrets <laughs> <laughs> serving in the army, I guess. Or, I mean, that's what it, that's what it kind of implies. But good. It's, good. It's, I like the fact that it's a... There's a question mark there. There's this question about mm-hmm. why did I do this? Why did I, why would, why did I take part in this? Yeah. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about this project, I guess you could call it. This is something that you've been doing for years. Nobody knows that you're the person behind it. 
but everybody knows the the message mm-hmm. yeah. which is pretty cool i think and also very bold because you do it in places where you could easily be caught and also places that are kind of dangerous mm-hmm. to climb on i mean you have to you have to kind of make an effort to get to those places and make it that bold yeah yeah when i started i lived in, uh, in tel aviv for a while and there's a lot of graffiti in tel aviv and a lot of uh, smart graffiti like uh, lots of political graffiti but it's in tel aviv and that's uh, it's very limited like you don't you don't uh, well I, I started there as well but then at some point i thought well i want to to reach more people and and, and more audiences that are not tel aviv liberals exactly yes mm-hmm. uh, audiences like 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 me myself before i joined the army in a way so you can see this graffiti literally all over from the north to the south and you've done le- road trips to to create this in the past yeah yeah I've done road trips I've um, yeah it was my baby for a while I don't do it as much these days uh, but at some point I, I did I did a lot of it for, for a few for a few good years yes when did you start this I started it like um, almost ten uh, years ago maybe nine years ago at some point I was living abroad and I came back to Israel actually I started before before this one I had I, I started with something else basically I rented a place in in Jaffa and I was living there and uh, and at some point I realized that uh, I'm living very close to uh, Galet Sahal to the military radio station yeah a radio station like I think most people abroad don't know it it's but I think the two most uh, listened to radio stations in Israel are made by the army yeah um, basically and, the media is controlled by the military yes and for most people in Israel it's like it's completely trivial nobody see any any problem in that and I didn't see for for a long while yeah and none of us saw a problem with that until we started seeing that it's very weird yeah it's very weird and I think the, the most harmful thing about it is not not the the messages that they broadcast because they broadcast uh, messages that are very Israelis uh, very common that every other network is doing the same yeah very mainstream very mainstream but but the, but the thing with this station is that basically the station is the biggest journalist school in Israel like all the most of the journalists come from this station come from being soldiers and And journalists which is horrible <laughs> yeah and also it's it's very horrible that it's in the middle of Yaffa yeah which is a Palestinian city yes originally yeah yeah so so I I, I walked one day and I saw this station over there and I thought what like this 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 station is right here in the in the middle of the city and like nobody what nobody's doing anything about it nodys just like <laughs> I don't know like uh, wrote on their wall I don't know like army get out of the radio or something like that <laughs> like shit <laughs> well okay I'll, I'll do it that's how it started that, that that's how it started yeah so you wrote army get out of our radio that's that's what I, I went home and I, I made like the the shittiest stencil ever <laughs> it was really bad <laughs> and then I came one night and I wrote it and uh, the army has like um, endless resources and human power so within a couple of hours the next day it was uh, it was erased and And then I came like a couple of days later and I was like you think you can get rid of me so fast no way <laughs> <laughs> then I did two of these and then they were raced in two hours and I was like okay time to up my game and uh, and then I just 
basically did every wall in a radius of 500 meters in Jaffa. And I wrote this text. All Jaffa was full of it. Oh, wow. That's a lot. That's that's like hundreds of how how many? No, 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 not so many. But uh, but it was there. It was it was it was part of Jaffa at that time. I actually remember this. Yeah. And I didn't know that you did it. That's really cool. Savatselanu mm. radio. Yeah. Like that. That's that's the one. Very simple. I like that the messages are very very simple. Yeah. Exactly. Like, that, that's another thing. Another thing, uh, like in the in the. Um, I also had a phase of like doing like uh, kind of uh, smart and sophisticated uh, pieces with um, smart slogans, but uh, and, and there's also many of these in, in in Tel Aviv, very witty, very smart. But I think most people don't get them, and and I I, I don't like my point is not to be to be witty is is like to send a message so that as many people can understand and can relate to. It is very relatable. The question questioning why was I part of this. Is something that not many people do here and I think that just posing the question in front of people's eyes in mm-hmm. places that they cannot ignore is very very powerful it's very it's like in your face and it's graffiti so it's like it's not like it's erased everywhere you know some places people don't even can't even really get there and and it's not like the municipality or something it's between cities and yeah yeah but some people you try and erase them many many people try to erase I think most of them are erased by now like uh, like if everything I put up there was still there it was like uh, <laughs> ginormous <laughs> <laughs> I think that the story of how people erase it is also very interesting because you told me the effort that someone has to put in to erasing it yeah. says a lot about how strongly they feel about this yeah exactly some places like I go by and I like see one of my pieces being erased or like being changed just to get uh, gayasti or I joined uh, the IDF uh, somebody changed something about it but, and but I, I look at it and I'm like mm, I'm not happy that somebody messed messed it up but I appreciate I really appreciate that somebody actually went there because I know what it what it takes to get to that point <laughs> and I'm like oh All right, all right, man. You know, if you're it. willing if you're willing to do all that <laughs> to make your point to, then I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> It's interesting because people actually started not erasing it necessarily, but adding words or changing the question mark into an exclamation mark, and then erase the lama, the why, and then all you have left is hitgayasti, meaning I enlisted exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. So like, Yeah. a message like that or some people you have the question of why did I serve in the army and then they add kitsarich meaning because you need to yeah <laughs> it's like all these different thoughts that people have about what you wrote are like appearing it's like it's like yeah. it's like there's a conversation going on on the wall yeah a bunch of people changed it to itgayasti legolani to give ati like I I served in a certain unit yeah Uh-huh. Uh, one guy actually answered to me and then I answered him and I think he answered back he answered because uh, I'm a Zionist <laughs> well, it was a long time ago maybe I answered a pretty like, good answer I have to say it's a pretty yeah <laughs> straightforward <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then I asked like what, what does that even mean I wrote on the wall oh nice <laughs> I like that I didn't see that one I think that it's really interesting that you you made an effort to To put it in as many places as you can including outside army bases yeah uh, which is extra risky ah uh, no I don't think so 
You don't think so? No, well, first of all, there's army bases everywhere in Israel. So it's not hard to find one. So you're saying anywhere you're going to graffiti something, it's going to be near an army base. <laughs> Basically, yes. And also, like, I, I didn't... It's not that I looked for this army base specifically. I just drove by and like, oh, that's a good wall. And they're, like, uh, making, yep. making officers here. So that's even better. Yeah, that one was really good. I think that doing it right outside of an army base, of the army base that trains soldiers to become officers mm -hmm. is extra... clever or extra powerful i guess it's like I, i when i when you told me that that you did one there i was like wow i i thank you thank you for doing that <laughs> those people really need a wake-up call they really need that question to be posed in front of their eyes thank you i don't know i don't know if it will <laughs> if if it will reach them this call but uh yeah do you feel that There are people that it reaches them and then it makes them question and kind of ask themselves the same question that you are asking yourself in the graffiti? I, I don't know. I have no way of knowing. Uh, I certainly wish, uh, hope so. Why? Um, Because nobody that you know knows that you're doing this? Uh, no, few people know. But like they, they, there are people like that. They're already older. They're not, uh, they're not 17. Like uh, in a way, I wish that... Uh, a 17 year old me would see this this is this is like the 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 audience the audience i'm i'm mainly going for not only but like uh, in my heart in a way it's interesting because even people who have already served in the army and are okay with it see this and maybe even after their army service it makes them question maybe i was part of something that i shouldn't have been part of mm -hmm. and i think that's also very beneficial even if even if the quote-unquote sin has been performed mm -hmm. i think it's important for people to reflect honestly about about the things that they've done i, I agree i hope so i think it's amazing that you don't know what the feedback is about this because i'm sure that so many conversations have been struck up yeah because of this but not in your presence yeah yeah Uh, the best thing is like when somebody, when a friend of mine that knows about it, like uh, rides the train and then he tells me like, I, I was sitting next to a bunch of soldiers in the train and they were looking at it and, and I heard them talking, saying like, who do you think write this thing? Uh, is he really depressed or? Uh... <laughs> well. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that I like. But, but yeah, I don't get any, any, any comments basically. I just put it out there and I have no way of... Um, This is, it's, it's a weird form, weird art form <laughs> with no feedbacks. Basically. Wow. Well, no feedbacks that you that get to you. Yeah. But I'm sure that, I'm sure that a lot of people talk about this because it's very uh, out there. Yeah. It's very famous. I mean, it's kind of like being uh, the most famous and also the most anonymous at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I had this uh, funny moment one time when I was like, uh, I was riding the uh, bicycle and doing graffiti in Ayalon. On a very, very main highway. Very well. main highway. Yeah, it, it was on uh, Yom Kippur. Which is when uh, nobody's on the, nobody's driving car, the whole country stops, and it's a very good day to do graffiti. Yes, it's a very good day for everything. Every country should have Yom Kippur. It's a brilliant <laughs> day. There's no cars around, all the roads are free. It's an amazing, very special day. So I was, I was riding and I stopped at some point and I, uh, and I, like, I bend over the wall. It's, it's hard to explain, but I bent over the wall on the side of the road to, to, to spray the other side of the wall. Mm -hmm. 
So people walking on the road could see me doing something, but they could not see what I'm doing. Oh. And then there was like a few guys like coming in my direction and I timed it so I will have enough time before they get uh, to where I am. And as they get closer, there's like one of them is like, hey, well, well, what are you spraying there? <laughs> and I'm like, um, yeah, what do you think? And he, and he <laughs> says, I, I don't know, like, Lamed <laughs> Gayasti? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God, he just guessed. Yeah, I just guessed. And then I, like, I was giggling to myself <laughs> and I completed, my, uh, completed my, my, my text. And then I got on the bike and started, right? And then at that point, he got to, the, to the, where I was standing and he bent over the wall and he saw that he was right. He was like, ah, man. Oh my God. <laughs> and like, we, we changed high fives and I, I, I drove by. Oh my God, that's <laughs> crazy. But you really try to keep it discreet like you don't want people to know that you're behind this and you also don't want to get caught right like it's oh yes yes kind of systematic in that way like I um I, I whenever I get to a point like I, I check out okay wh what's my how exposed am I who can see me from where and what's my um my getaway route like if I if somebody does see me and stop which happens not many times but uh... I have I just want to say people who are hearing about this for the first time It's an interesting idea, I'm assuming, to hear about. Israelis that are listening to this obviously know this graffiti because they've seen it several times in their lives, are probably very curious and want to ask you a lot of different questions. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's I think, very special to have you here and talk to me about this because you've never been interviewed about this because nobody knows No, who you are. Knows. Uh, and, and that was part of the charm of this thing, I think, that nobody knows who is it. Is it a, is he a soldier? Is he, is he a veteran? Is he post-traumatic? Is it one man? Is, there, is it many people? For me, it's very exciting to sit here with you because I feel like it really had an influence on me and it gave me like the reassurance that there are other people out there asking these questions and I'm uh -huh. not the only one and that it's okay to ask this question and it's not... Just okay, it's important. Something that we need to ask ourselves as Israelis. Oh, that's so nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember what, at what point it came up, but when I, when I thought about this phrase, it just clicked for me. Also because it's, not, it's like not imposing. It's not like a daunting list or like, it's just like, it's a very personal call. And, um, it's also reflecting about yourself. It's not blaming other people. It's like, my doings i need to ask questions about what i do and how i do it yeah it's yeah. very strong yeah. so we can talk a little bit more about that specifically uh in a bit but I, i wanted to ask you the very very um obvious question why did you go to the army <laughs> the question that you ask yourself in front of the whole country i want to ask you now yeah i thought about it yesterday and i thought like um I wondered if I really had a, if I had a choice in this, like, um, like I was sure that this is my, my, my choice when I did it. So like I, I was, I was, well, I was raised in a, in a Zionist, very Zionist society and um, I got it from home and from school and from everybody around me. There was no question about it. You have to join the army. You have to like... Uh, do your part like if you want to be a, a good person if you want you have to contribute to contribute to society like this is what we have to do and i think i'm 
I'm a very, I don't know, I have developed a moral sense. And if, the, if, if it's the right thing, then this is the thing I have to do. And, uh, and there was no question around it because um, one of the things there's nobody, there was no one around to, to give another perspective. There was like basically everyone around me like uh, was joining my ar the army. I didn't hear any opinion that says anything else. And uh, I think when I was 16, I heard, or, or at some point I heard the, the word uh, pacifism. And I, and I was like, well, that sounds interesting. Or, or what's, what's that? I'm not a pacifist, but, uh, but that, was, that was like uh, a thought that intrigued me. Okay, there is a new direction there that I'm not familiar with, but there was nowhere to, to, to find out about this. Because it was very clear that you have to join the army. So I'm not sure I had a choice really, uh, in a way. Yeah, we could dive deep into a conversation about what free will and free choice really are in the face of very brainwashed societies or brainwashed people. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm not going to go there right now. Mm. <laughs> that's, an, that's a different episode. I, I can say something, though. I, I, after my, uh, well, what I call my radicalization process, a few years after the army, at some point I met a teacher of mine um very nice very nice lady i like her and, uh, and i met her f years after the army and after the, the high school and she was like oh it's nice to see you and uh, the other and i told her yeah it was nice in the in school but you know what i will never forgive you for educating me to to sending me to be a soldier and she looked at me like very confused um and she was like well you know like uh, some people say like this is the most important part of us being educators it's like it's not about the education it's not about the, the chemistry or math it's about raising uh, raising good people who will go to the to the army and and defend us wow that's so sad that she said that yeah yeah in in a very naive and straightforward uh, way and and i think this is this is very representative for 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 the state of mind of teachers in Israel. Yeah, yeah, a lot of times when talking about the level of schools, of high schools in Israel, a lot of principals and teachers take pride in their school being one of the best and the indication or the, um, and the measurement is how many of the alumni go what of the percentage to serve of, in the army. The yeah. percentage of, of enlistment. Percentage the, of enlistment and the percentage of enlistment in, in combat units yeah. as well. Yeah. And it's, I think it says a lot about a society when you measure how good the education is in a school according to how many of the students go to serve in combat units or become officers. Yeah. Like yeah. That's, that's, that's insane. And in Israel, that's, that's... It's very normal. Yeah. That's nobody sees anything wrong with it. Yeah. Just like nobody sees anything wrong with uh, the radio being basically controlled by the army. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The public radio. Yeah. It's a very sad but telling story about confronting the people who who educated you and who who brought you up to to doing this thing that you seems like you regret since then. Yeah. Yeah. Would you call it regret? <laughs> If I regret it, yeah, 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 I regret it. Yeah, <laughs> I can say I regret <laughs> it. Actually, it's pretty simple in this <laughs> in this matter. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about your army service. I mean, it, it's not what made you so um, regretful 
Mm. And may I add, maybe angry about you serving in the army that you had to go and tell the whole country in your way, <laughs> I regret this and maybe you should too. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, where, where to approach this form? I think the first thing that uh, that started to change my mind about it is like realizing that I was uh, part of something that uh, I, I disagree with uh, and that I actually did more harm than good uh, by doing it, harming like basically the, the Palestinians uh, around us, our, our, our neighbors, the people I was part in uh, controlling and uh, taking part in the system of controlling them. Uh, but I think in the personal level, I just it was just very bad for me. For me personally, it was a very bad, bad time. I suffered in the army. I did not uh, enjoy it, not one bit. I, I um, oof, it's the, still alive in me. I think in in a way, it's like. Um, I was raised and very much believed that this is the right thing to do, and and hence I decided to do it. Uh, but by doing it, I didn't ask myself, uh, what do I want to do? I kind of gave up on a huge part of myself. I kind of gave up on myself in these three years. I basically uh, shut myself down for three years to be able to survive this experience that I was going through. Uh, which I believe this is the right thing to do, but uh, but there was no joy in it for me, and it was it, uh, it it took a high toll on me. I think. In what way? I think in every way, in every internal way possible. Like I was depressed. Uh, I was severely depressed. I was uh, suicidal in the beginning. Not only in the beginning. No, I was suicidal all, all, the whole way through. I think looking looking back at, at that, that kid that I was at that time, I bought on a narrative that was uh, harmful for me, and it's, it, it nearly killed me. Like also from the outside uh, a couple of times, but, but, but mainly from, from the inside. It nearly killed, killed me from the inside. One of the things that happened pretty early on my, uh, in my service, when I, w I was already like uh, considering uh, suicide at some point, like not, no, I was not, not, not that close to it, but it was on my mind. Um, and then there was this day that, um, well, it, w it was a Saturday morning. We, we stayed in the base and, uh, and I went, uh, and I was, uh, sitting in the toilet, I remember it very clearly. I was very concerned about the, the sanitation, so I put the toilet paper over the toilet seat, <laughs> <laughs> and there was a, a, a newspaper on the ground. I didn't want to touch it with my hand, but I wanted to read it, so I like arranged it with my feet so I can read it while I'm <laughs> sitting on the toilet. <laughs> wow! And then I was sitting there, and uh, and then there was a shot. Uh, from the booth next to me. And, a a uh, gunshot? A gunshot, yeah. Wow. And I knew exactly what's going on because I was thinking about it myself. And I got up and I uh, buckled my, uh, my pants and I stepped outside and I saw the huge puddle of blood. Um, 
getting large on on the ground and it was someone from my platoon um <sighs> that's that's well that affected me um also because i was i was uh, i saw like uh what happened after that and i saw the family afterwards and i thought like uh in that in that in a way like that like uh that shut the door on on that way out for me wow yeah did you think of any other ways out as alternatives like did you start thinking of other ways out instead of suicide no not really no like i i, I no i just the only way out was to stay there until the end that was that was the way out and uh like I had fantasies of like getting shot uh in combat and getting hurt and being pulled out and being a hero at the same time, but uh no, in my mind, there's no way out that was the right thing to do, and I had to do it even if I die doing it well, wow. which was not far from it. It's still hard for me to uh uh Like to get a clear picture about the state that I was in while I was in the army, but I have like a few episodes that can help that can shed some some light on it like I remember at some point I started cutting myself uh things were somehow that bad inside that i i it's something that people do sometimes to 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 ease the pain basically, and I remember it was in some started in some house we were occupy occupying in the West Bank and just guarding it and uh, living in it and 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 watching and resting and watching and resting four hours four hours and I would go at sometimes to the the we had the chemical uh, uh, toilets like there. a porta potty yeah mm-hmm. uh, which can be very nasty sometimes but that was yeah. the only place we had I had privacy for months basically and uh, and I would go there and like and just Make a cut in my leg with my pocket knife to to it would just the the physical pain would ease the internal pain for for a few seconds oh. so that like to understand how things were and I remember another another uh, another time one time i was um I was sitting in a in an armored vehicle and we were in some uh operation in the in the west bank and I was uh sitting inside we were inside i think it was pretty crowded like ten people and then there was like explosions and gunshots and um and I didn't know what's going on and I didn't care what's going on like there were and later they told us that some some kid came out of an alley and threw a grenade on the on the armored vehicles which landed on it and rolled off it and if it would have landed on the in the opening it could have killed all of us um, and then there were after that happened they just started spraying everything with uh with the machine guns wow uh, but the point is I, i for me i was in there and i was texting with the with my girlfriend that left me a few months before and i was heartbroken And I was just this very depressed kid, and I didn't even care what's going outside didn't care about all the shooting and <laughs> didn't wow. care about the grenade falling on. I was just sitting with my phone and texting with my my ex love wow, yeah, 
That's so sad <laughs> for everybody. It's it's very very sad this situation that you're describing. I yeah. think this is a good moment to mention and recognize that there are a lot of cases of suicide of soldiers in yeah. the army. Yeah, and the army shuts it like it silences it. Well. Yeah, they don't uh, publish the statistics and they under represent this issue. Yeah, yeah, and, and not only that, there, there was this uh, uh, journalist, independent journalist that exposed this, and I think he, he suffered consequences because of that, I don't I'm know. I'm sure. Yeah. It comes up once in a while in the discourse about the soldiers committing suicide and also uh, harming themselves uh, in different ways, many times to, um, to get out of the army. So, yeah. So injuring yourself so that you get vacation days yeah, to yeah, recover. Yeah. Uh, this I is also a, a problem. I had a friend who convinced a friend, another friend, to like he puts his hand against the wall and bashed it with, uh, with the with the blunt side of the gun in order to to break his finger so he will go out. Yeah, my first boyfriend did that. He convinced two of his very good friends to. drop a refrigerator on his finger to break it. Wow. And um, it worked. And mm-hmm. we went to the ER, to the emergency room. And apparently it created more damage than what he intended. Mm-hmm. I guess if you could even measure what that means. But it created um, irreversible harm in his fingers. I... And he got a lot of vacation from the army to, to recover, which is what he wanted. But he also got um, an injury that he hardly ever recovered from. Mm. And it left damage to his, to his body. And this is, I remember thinking about this recently about, you know, how many soldiers do this, how much they don't actually want to be part of this yeah. for whatever reason. And... It's, I think it says a lot about the situation here. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's very sad and it's not about feeling bad for them as much as it is for the state of a whole society that is so recruited to this one mission yeah. of oppressing another people and... In doing so is oppressing all the people that are having to yeah. physically do this yeah yeah to the to the point of people injuring themselves killing themselves it's it's very I think it's it's tragic yeah, yeah I, I think also like um, like looking back at it I feel I, I also I feel myself very lucky like I, I'm, I'm super lucky like I because you uh, In these years I lost a part of myself uh, and I was completely not in touch with myself and, the, and what I want to do and the sensitive parts in, in me uh, but I'm very lucky to, to be able to, to reestablish this connection uh, later uh, later in my life and uh, not all people I think maybe not even most people are not able to do it like I, I don't know if most but I, I know people uh, and I and I can see it I can see um, the internal price that people pay to for maintaining this conviction 
whether it's with with rage or hate or racism or like uh, people pay uh, a price for this the people who are uh, like very convinced in our view in our, our position being the right one they pay a tremendous price for this uh, it's painful to see sometimes when I said it it's it, it nearly killed me it, it nearly killed me also and Like, killed my soul for at least for a while uh, but also it had, it had a, a toll on my body basically I had a very very severe autoimmune disease uh, after I got out from the army which was a serious blow because <laughs> when I got out of the army I was like oh god thank thank god I'm out of this shit I can I can start doing I don't know what but I can I can I can breathe and start thinking what I want to do and, uh, and a few months later I got uh, yeah I realized I got uh, I was very sick <laughs> it was the way, way of my body to tell me that like um, you cannot you cannot do this to yourself but it but uh, my body had bad timing in that way <laughs> it's like your body was like you can't you're not gonna get away with this like you yeah <laughs> wow did you see it as connected to you The army service at the time no not at all no no I had like when I was I, I was freaking 1920 I didn't have uh, I was not in touch with my emotions I didn't even I didn't even know I'm depressed like I didn't even know I'm suicidal it was just happening like these are definitions that you realize later on yeah very very later on like um This is part of the price that I paid it's like I was very disconnected from myself and uh, and my body and my body nearly died because of it Wow yeah so how long were you sick for uh, like six months intense treatments very it was like uh, it was another blow just like uh, just like the army like uh, or even more in what way was it a blow? Like taking away your freedom to live your life it was kind of like being I don't know strapped in a coffin for three years or something having no no joy and no uh, I even when I was in the army all I wanted to do is get out of the army all I want all I waited for is my time at home uh, for my turn uh, to have a weekend at home uh, and the thing is when I got the weekend at home, I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't have hobbies. I didn't have uh, I, I was like giving up on myself for like uh, I don't know, two and a half weeks out of three. It did not end there. Like when I came home, I realized like I didn't realize, but uh, I, like I, I also didn't know I had I had no I was not in touch with myself. I didn't know what I want to do even. Uh, so even when I was at home I was suffering and I was uh, having like uh, I remember having lots of rage uh, yeah so it's like it's like I was strapped in a coffin for three years and then at some point the, the coffin is open and I can get out and I can like spread my wings and, uh, and come out to the world and then like bam it's hospital time for you baby yeah. wow <laughs> yeah So you at this point were in your early 20s trying to get your health together trying to you know start your your life as an adult and I'm assuming someone like this 
that still hasn't understood the wider implications of the army service is focused on getting better personally and not like analyzing the political implications right? yeah not no no not at all not yet I even remember like uh, a couple of years after being after uh, two or three years later I was abroad at some point and I, I had uh, have some uh, some family there which I met for the first time and I was sitting in a, in a family dinner and uh, I, I consider myself the lefty okay from the from the beginning I, I was a lefty that was like I was the lefty of the of the platoon the, the lefty of the the whole battalion uh, well. I was uh, <laughs> the one that defends the Arabs. But nonetheless, in, in this family dinner, like I was sitting there in a European country and uh, with very nice people, uh, which I met for the first time and I was very polite and I wanted them to like me. And at some point I got like the, a vibe that they're being, being critical of, uh, of Israel. And I remember how it was like a, like a lead armor like dropped over me and I got so defensive like, uh, and, I, and I found myself saying all these things like, you don't know how it is. You cannot judge it from the outside. You don't know how it is to be in Israel. We have to, it's complicated and we have to defend ourselves. And I was like, years later, I was still considering myself a lefty, but being very much in support of everything that I've done and the necessity of it. Is this because of the price you paid? So you felt like you couldn't dare question if it was worth it? Mm, no. No, I think it's because it's because I, I don't know. I saw it as a threat. I don't know. No, I don't know if a threat for myself or for the or or for the Israeli society. But it was. Uh, but I think more of like the a threat for Israel, like uh, people like that who don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> come, come with all these liberals, uh, uh, universal ideas that are completely irre irrelevant to the to the <laughs> to the reality of our situation here. So that's what you were thinking at the time in your early 20s. And when did you understand that maybe there was a little truth to what these people were saying? It took a few years. And at some point I was living abroad and I started, uh, it was blogs. It was not from talking to anybody. It was not from meeting Palestinians. I was just living outside of the country, and I uh, had time to look to look into things, and I and I I, I found some interesting blogs, uh, which completely ch I, I dove into them, and I saw that there is some truth in there that was interesting for me, and I started reading and reading, and it completely changed the way I see the world. These were political blogs, or political blogs? Yes, uh, I can say the names, maybe. Like, sure. Um, uh, it was Yossi uh, Yossi Gurvitz. And uh, Shalom uh, Bogoslavsky uh, and, and Idan Lando, the uh, worst of all. He is like he's amazing. He is amazing. He really dives into stuff and analyzes like the the IDF statement and statistics and uh, yeah, and civil disobedience. He talks a lot about that. But it's very surprising that you said um, names of Israelis because when you were talking about living abroad and reading blogs. I was assuming that you were talking about people from. Mm. abroad and now you're telling me when you moved outside of the country then you had i guess the bandwidth to read about the inner criticism in hebrew yeah it's funny because then because i was there a few there a few years and then i came back there was no one around me that thought like me and that was very hard what did it look like uh, well at that point like i realized that uh, 
man, I, I was scammed. <laughs> I was tricked into something that was bad for me, was bad for, for my own country. It was bad for, for, for the Jews around me. It was bad for the Palestinians around me, for sure. And it was not good for anybody. And holy shit, like this, I, I nearly died for, and I suffered so much for, 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 for this lie. That was, uh, I was very angry at that point. <laughs> How old were you at this point? I was uh, maybe 20, 28, 27, yeah. Uh, I was angry. I was mad at my dad very much. Uh, I argued uh, with him, with uh, other people, yeah. And I, and I was very alone in it as well. No one around me thinks the way I think, see the world, and I'm like, it's, and like the injustice just, just screams out, and I have nobody to share it with. Yeah. And how long did it take until you really found other people to share it with? Because now we know yeah. <laughs> this podcast is one of the, yeah. you know, um, proofs to it, but there are people out there, you know, and so did you connect to other people at a certain point? Did you disconnect from the people that didn't see what you saw? I, I didn't disconnect from anybody intentionally, but I, I found I found other people. I found a friend that was a, a conscientious objector, objector, and uh, yeah, and suddenly I, I started finding other people who, who shared my my point of view. It's uh, interesting though, because as a conscientious objector. This person realized what you realized at age 26, 7. He realized it when he was 16, 17. Yeah. Like a decade beforehand. Yeah. So it's kind of like a different kind of inner conversation. Yeah. And, we, and it was very different. It was, uh, and he had knowledge and point of view and perspective that I did not have. And it was also kind of weird for me to, to, to talk about it with people who think like me. Because I was so... <laughs> you were so used to people just... <laughs> yeah, I was opposing. so used to being alone with my, uh, with my ideas that only some mysterious people on blogs uh, <laughs> <laughs> hold these ideas. Yeah. So was this uh, graffiti born out of this anger, out of this kind of like, why isn't anyone asking themselves this question? Or was that later on? Well, I had a, a strong impulse to create something or to get this energy of this uh, immense amount of rage out of my system. Uh, so I guess that was one way to channel it out. And at the same time, I was thinking, okay, hi, how, how did I end in this uh, situation? Like, how, wh what happened to me? And I realized, okay, it's because nobody, it was, th this opinion was nowhere around me. And like one way to get this opinion around me was to do this graffiti, just to write it everywhere. So like people can see, like kids can see that like uh, this, this might not be right. Wow. And be exposed to this other point of view, which I had nowhere around me. So basically you were very alone in this mindset and you were like, well, if nobody around me thinks this way, maybe I'll just make them think this way <laughs> through the graffiti yeah i think it was more humble than that <laughs> like uh, i will put this opinion out there and like hopefully some people who who have a doubt in them it will it will it will touch them it will uh, something there will might connect maybe i don't know but it's exactly what it does i can tell you from from someone who does hear the feedback about it you know hmm. do you feel like after a decade of doing this and it becoming kind of 
I could say an icon of uh, of questioning the narrative here. Wow, I really don't <laughs> think of myself as that. <laughs> Not you, but the but the art itself. Mm-hmm. I'd say. Um, do you feel like you gave yourself some kind of uh, redemption or an answer to all your questions at the time when you were younger, or maybe even just easing your pain or your anger? Oh yeah, I think mainly, mainly I eased my own uh, my own suffering from this thing. Yeah, yeah. So there was lots of anger in me, and I had to get it out, and uh, I'm, I'm like still have some of it. <laughs> but uh yeah I, this was this was uh, this was good for me and also it was like uh yeah, i was living in this in this reality that there is like you know, uh, most people around me don't see don't see the shit that i'm seeing and i have to do something about it and i don't have <laughs> the connections and i don't know the people and i have no idea what is activism and how to do activism and i don't know any palestinian or i don't have any 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 partners basically but I, I don't need, I can do something on my own. I can just go out there and do it. You just <laughs> spray a wall. Just spray a wall. It's very simple. And the <laughs> next day it's there. And, <laughs> and hopefully for a few other days. <laughs> yeah, hopefully for a few other days. For, for a few more days. Yeah. And as you mentioned today, you do know other people who share your views and you are an activist uh, other than the art, the, the graffiti that you do. Do you feel that you have more hope now that you've like found the others, quote unquote? And what is your uh, situation today? Well, also today I'm active like in different uh, in, in different zones, um, expanded to different zones, you can say. <laughs> But also, like I, I see like the complexity in so other in in everywhere. Like I see. I can uh, I can see the fear on our side I can see the fear on our on the, the other side I can see like how the, these systems are uh, recreating themselves and um I can see how the holocaust is connected to a lot of it <laughs> I can see how the the uprooting of of the Jews from all over whether it, whether it is from Europe or from the Arab countries is is also connected to it and contributed to this like very shallow narrative that we define ourselves with uh, that's you're referring to zionism like uh, zionism yeah this whole story that we have to we basically we have to, we what we are doing is justified because we have to defend ourselves and uh, otherwise because people want to kill us all over uh, it's a very very strong narrative very simple one but uh, very effective what do you think about this narrative today when you look around you I think that it's uh, silly, <laughs> plainly speaking. <laughs> like I can see how it's very emotionally activating and uh, and very effective. But uh, I don't know. Like, looking back at myself, like being being eighteen, and I think, do you ever look at yourself and you think, like, oh man, how could I have been so dumb? <laughs> 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 that's that's it. Come on, this is. Yeah. This is just a part of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I think there's a lot of power to looking back at, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old me or even 22-year-old me and thinking to myself, I just want to 
have compassion for that person yeah that was so confused yeah. and so brainwashed and so scared and bought into things that today i feel are very very harmful yeah oh definitely i have compassion to it i remember one time i was uh, like a, a few elections ago uh, i was uh, crossing a bridge and there were some kids from the noam party which were like uh, like very very conservative homophobic right wing yeah political party yeah yeah like the, the the most i think and um and they were very and I, and i passed by and i was like and they were having some i think some banner or something about the gays or i'm not sure even but something very vulgar and i was like hey guys what's up with this <laughs> and they started like uh, they they got it for that time from the other side or something and they started like preaching to me and i was uh, i don't know i i could like that was very humane like i asked them to bring a chair and i set them with there and i and i and i listened to them for like an hour and a half uh, and i listened I, i was supposed to take a bus and i could see the uh, the bus under the bridge like passing by uh, again and again and i was every time i was like okay i'll take the next one i'll take the next oh, one wow. and i and i sat there and i'm listening to them and like every try i'm like they they say something which is very like racist or homophobic or just just full of fear and every time i just trying to tell them yeah but you know can i can i just say something about it but they still had to get it out all this rage and all this uh, conviction and i i had to let them uh, i had to listen basically i sat there and listened to them and only after an hour and a half they got it out and then and then like they were uh, they were open to listening a little bit And then I tell them, "Listen, guys, okay, the next bus I'm getting on it, <laughs> but before I go, I want to tell you a few things. Is that okay?" And then I just like gave them a, a, a completely other perspective and like <laughs> stuff that they never heard before, and like they were talking about the 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 the, the gay parade in Tel Aviv and how bad it is, and like the people are going nude and uh, or like uh, stuff like that. And, I, and and what's wrong with nudity, guys? Like, man, you should go to a festival one time. You know, there's festival in Europe where everybody goes naked, and it's pretty nice. It's not about sex, and like you can go. <laughs> <laughs> and like they, they never heard this in their life. They never even imagined it. And they were like, they were. I think a part of them was fascinated by it. Um, But yeah, in a way I have I have lots of empathy to like uh, especially these kids uh, the, the the most convinced from the from the right wings. You know what? I I prefer in a way it's easier for me to relate like even uh, the most uh, violent uh, right wing guy that goes on the hills and hit uh, hit shepherds with sticks. It's easier for me to relate to him than to people who are like uh, sitting in Tel Aviv consider themselves lefties and work for uh, for some for a cybersecurity company cyber that security is company. part of exactly. the military industrial complex and yes. they feel like they're so liberal and open and and yeah. you know justice driven yes so yes. basically you're saying i i'd rather just have the blunt plain racism than the hypocrisy yeah i i i prefer my aggression on the, on the surface Yeah, I can understand. I, uh, there's, there's a lot to that saying. I prefer my aggression on the surface. I hear people talking about this, about how, you know, the, the so-called left in Israel is, is just built on hypocrisy. Yeah. And people would rather deal with anyone who's being honest 
even if the honesty is about racism and homophobia, then people who are yeah. hypocritical about their real views. Yeah. Or consider themselves very like uh, liberal and universal, but actually are super racist. Like, super fascist. You, yeah. Super fascist. And if you talk to them about uh, Palestinians, they will, not even, they will not even say, like, uh, no, we have to conquer them. They will just say, okay, it's, it's, it's complicated. I still have to do my, uh, to go to the reserve army. Yeah. <laughs> Very grim, those, those sayings, those conversations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you so much. Um, I, I really appreciate this conversation. And um, is there anything you want to add to the listeners? I know that some of the listeners are Palestinians, Palestinian refugees or Palestinians living here. Some are Israelis, some are Jews, some are just people around the world who find this interesting or important. Hmm. So is there anything you'd like to say? I don't know. I don't, I don't feel I have anything very smart to say. I think like just, um, well, of course, for the Palestinians listening to this, I'm sorry for what we're, what my side is like uh, doing. Um, but for everybody, like, uh, wish we can just breathe more and, uh, and try to relate to relate to each other, to people who think uh, different from us. You keep it simple. Yeah, I give it simple. <laughs> Even when it's not graffiti. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Thank you very much. <laughs> and thank you, Roy Geva, for the beautiful music that he composed for this podcast. And thank you for listening. Thank you.